million dollar debate idea. Fake candidates like I don't know Marianne Williamson and <laughs> Eric Swalwell. This is Corey, and this is the Other Anthem Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode two seventy two of the Other Anthem Podcast, coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA Studios. Hi, the button one ten freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. My crystals are insulted, but thank you for joining us. <laughs> yes, thank you for listening on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be iTunes or Google Play Music or. Uh, Anywhere you can find it. it, the best way to find the one for you is to go to anchor.fm forward slash O the Anthem, where you can find all the different places that we're available. Get us on the podcatcher of your choice. And of course, you can find more O the Anthem at O the Anthem on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you're watching us live right now at facebook.com forward slash O the Anthem. And you can find more videos, these episodes, and more at youtube.com forward slash or the anthem and everything or the anthem including this shop which has new stuff on it so mm-hmm. make sure you check that out at the merch store at or the anthem.com new rob related things yes uh rob the worst promoter in the world uh <laughs> who forgot that his book was out and then spent an entire week forgetting that his book was out until just this moment so maybe i'll promote the book a little bit at some point this week well why don't you do it right now since we're already kind of like oh yeah so uh new book is out uh, the chair. Uh, it is not in the uh, not in the movement universe. So if anybody's read the other books, they all kind of exist in the same universe, and you'll see characters pop up and appear at different places. Um, they generally the main three books, uh, w- two of which are out now, one of which is uh, uh, a draft in my computer. Mm-hmm. But uh, they revolve around uh, a near dy- near dystopian future, which actually has now passed, ironically, because <laughs> I started writing them so early. But uh, 2015 uh, to 2018, where an underground movement springs up and um, they uh, overthrow the government. And then the, the uh, government forces push back on them. It's the movement insurrection and the movement insurgency. So uh, those two books have been available. Uh, Insurrection's actually out of print, and that'll be coming out later this year with a new version. So make sure you keep eyes out for that. Uh, the Foe, also in that universe. Uh, the Calls from last year, also in that universe. But this is the first time I've written something that is not in that universe. And um, it's a shorter book. I think it's only 80 pages or so. Uh, it's a very easy read. Uh, it's something you could take to the beach with you and read. But if you are into zombies, if you're into dystopian future apocalyptic stuff, I think you'll like it. It's the story of two guys, uh, Dr. AJ, uh, Ajit uh, Kampoor, and uh, his companion Damien, who are making their way across uh, this wasteland of, um, of America. And uh, they spend two years together, although we don't chronicle the whole two years. We just kind of hear a summary of it um, after something called the Red took over. And uh, Dr. Uh, AJ, uh, AJ, is a, uh, vi- a virologist, and he helped work on the Red, and they are looking for basically Shangri-La. It's a safe place in this wasteland of uh, America, and um, if they find it, they know that they'll find refuge and protection and safety in a world that is otherwise not safe. So uh, they are following this rumor, uh, this story that they hear around firesides and bar stools all across the country, uh, a story that changes everywhere you go. Of course, if you're in the east, it's out west. And if you're out west, it's in the south. And if you're in the south, it's in the north. And it's always where you're never. Uh, yeah. And it's always very far away. But um, it's a story about uh, a town full of wi- uh, men and women in peasant clothing and children running around and orchards and fields full of food, uh, something that's hard to come by in this world. Uh, and on a small rise uh, amongst all the apple orchards is a Victorian chair um, with wood and upholstered in red. And nobody knows what the significance of this chair is, but uh, it's the one way that you'll know you've arrived. And 
uh, that chair is going to come to be very important in the story, obviously, uh, in the book that's called I assumed the chair. because it was the chair. Yeah. <laughs> so um, go out and check out the uh, story of AJ and Damien and uh, their adventures in the apocalyptic wasteland of America. Uh, like I said, uh, it's not really a zombie novel, but, uh, you know, you'll see some inclinations there. It's not really a... Uh, disease novel but you'll see some things about disease there uh it's really a story of two guys uh who would never be friends not in this situation but they find something in the other um that they can use but that they can also um it's something that is advantageous to them but it also makes a yin and a yang that the other half that they're missing uh and uh they are on this big adventure so and um, you know, there, a lot of things come into play. I, I hope everybody enjoys reading it. Like I said, it's a really short read, so it should be easy for people to get through. And it's a, a Kindle version, right? Yeah, so it's available on uh, any ebooks right now. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it uh, on Nook in Barnes & Noble. And if you are anywhere in the world, you can find it even if Barnes & Noble and uh, Amazon are blocked where you are. Because uh, I use a service that distributes to over 30 uh ebook services so uh for instance eastern europe it's really hard to get amazon or barnes noble but they distribute to a service that does go there the caribbean and south america the same way so you can find it anywhere uh anywhere you are and uh, i think it's uh, on sale everywhere for 99 cents so you can't beat that for an ebook it's a buyer's price exactly yeah so Mm -hmm. the paper book will be coming soon too i was also supposed to do that that this week and i forgot so uh, maybe i'll take fourth of july and try to get these books out seems like a good plan yeah uh, so we'll some time it. to work on it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, speaking of apocalyptic wastelands, we are quickly heading in that direction. <sighs> but, um, you know, there's hope. There's hope in the world. There is a chair. Uh, this chair um, just happens to be uh, one that's sitting on a stage at a Democratic debate. <laughs> now, we don't know who's going to be is sitting it the on the one? Chair. Is it the one that uh, What's-His-Face talked to, uh, Clint Eastwood talked to uh. at the Republican convention like two years Two years ago or whatever, three years ago? I was going to say, uh, that chair ended up being filled by Donald Trump. So, no, <laughs> that is not the chair. Uh, now that it's the Democrats' turn to eat their young uh, and have 20 people on two nights on one stage. And um, I watched exactly zero minutes of either of those debates. Instead, I relied on Twitter to feed me my information. And I, I, on the other hand, watched exactly four hours of yes of these despite debates. the fact that you were working when yeah. the actual debates were happening well i came home and i just watched the debates like yeah because you can't like i can't go to sleep right away when i get home from set i gotta like decompress a little bit so i have zero in bed and watch the zero debates. interest but since i only saw the highlights yeah why don't you give everybody your breakdown of night one night two of the debate uh well night one seemed pretty even keeled there wasn't a the most serious candidate of the people who were there night one was Elizabeth Warren. Joe Biden? No, Joe Biden was night two. Oh, is he? No, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, uh, didn't watch night, night two had more more people, more of the top name candidates. There was Biden and uh, Bernie and Kamala Harris and Buttigieg on that debate. Uh, as far as the one with, uh, you know, the, with Warren, the first night was Warren and Booker and uh, Beto were like the main draws, I guess. Gillibrand, but the I, I you she know likes her whiskey. <laughs> she does. Still my number two. <laughs> I I I don't know this. Uh, I don't know if there's a way to do these debates right, because no matter what you do, somebody isn't going to be happy. But I think that this version was probably the best case scenario for how the Democrats could have possibly done it, because it gave 
everyone an opportunity within reason to get up on that stage and make a name for themselves. And uh, for some people, I think it was beneficial. Like for Julian Castro, I think it was great. Uh, for people who are like really far back in the weeds, like uh, John Delaney or someone like that, or uh, Marianne Williamson, like I, I, you know, you needed to have a all-star debate performance. And I don't think you got it from any of those people. I mean, honestly, uh, you could probably take the top or the two candidates on each end of the debate stage for both nights of debating. So the eight candidates who were like the furthest out in the polls, essentially on each debate night and uh, just eliminate them and not lose much sleep over it. Yeah. Like it just, there wasn't a lot. The bar was really low to get in. And it, with well, good reason. I mean, like it, yeah. it, it allowed, it allowed different, voices to get up there like I, I, andrew I think, yang would never make a debate no unless it was for these rules well and the problem is that i think if you make them any harder then you're cutting it down to like five and well you already know what these people and are, for so. a first debate it's fine I, i'd rather have more candidates than less yeah um i don't want to have like you know uh the rent is too damn high guy up there just because i would have loved to have him just because there. he's running <laughs> yes just, put him i in. want i want at least a a monochrome of of uh of a chance to put somebody up there, but I mean, like, uh, I don't know. He did well in his district in New York yeah. where he was running. To be fair, he he did place like third in a four way race. So <laughs> you know, how bad do you feel? Better like you than lose better than that, that one Indian politician who didn't like got like five votes or something. Five votes, nine members of his family. So <laughs> not his family didn't even vote for him. But yeah, so uh, listen, coming out of the debates, I look at more what's the impact. Uh, everybody performed how they performed, but what's the impact uh, after night one? Um, now I'm, I'm spacing on it. Who was the the most searched person after night one? Uh, Kamala. No, night, Kamala was uh, night two. Night two. She was arrested. I would probably night, yeah. say Julian Castro was the one who like sort of like captured the imagination the most of the first night of debaters. Let me see if I can find that. So tweet. like uh, I would say that uh, Elizabeth Warren did well. Uh, she didn't really like step outside of her lane, and nobody took any shots at her, and she just sort of like let the debate happened around her. She, but she didn't step in it. That's the, when you're a front runner, the most important thing is not stepping in it. So, um, yeah, so I found it. Um, most searched person, democratic candidate after yeah. the debate night one, Bernie Sanders became the, the most widely searched candidate night, uh, night one. And you're wrong. Kamala is, Oh, she I think appeared. that's pre debate. Yeah. Cause I mean, they, neither Bernie nor Kamala were in the first oh, you're debate. Fucking right. This was pre debate and after. Yeah. Uh, Joe Biden though, still the number two searched candidate, yeah. not on the night of the debate. <laughs> hey, I wonder who this Joe Biden guy, is. Andrew Yang also still searched highly. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So, so I guess we didn't have this for the first night. Did I not send the one from the first night? Damn. I don't think there was one for the first night. Mm. I think this was just a pre debate post debate, like all wrapped up into one thing. No, it says ahead of de debate two. Hmm. That's why I thought it was uh, night one, night two. But yeah. I guess not. Uh, okay. Anyway. Either way. Uh, so not coming out of night two then, using this, uh, basically everyone was searching for Bernie Sanders and the rest were searching for B Joe Biden. But Kamala just sweeps the country coming out of night two. Isn't it Kamala? No. So I saw a pronunciation thing. It's capital C-A-M, yeah, I, I Cam. Think, I think that one was wrong. Uh, maybe it is. I think that person's tweet was incorrect. <laughs> Which it uh, there was like a lot of responses under it that were just like, oh, finally, now I know how to pronounce it. Are you looking for pronunciation? No. Oh, I'm I'm about ninety seven percent sure it's Kamala. Okay, mom, well, sure maybe. Like it rhymes with Pamela. 
but I think it's Kamala. Like it rhymes with Pamela. No, I think everyone was making that mistake. It's like uh, uh, how Anthony Santander is now Anthony Santander. Santander, yes. And we've just been saying it wrong, and he's never corrected us this whole time. No, he's a nice guy. I think there's a lot of people who've been saying Kamala, like she it rhymes with him. Pamela. Yeah. But it's actually Kamala. Nah, maybe. So she's I'm, not going to be president. So if I'm wrong, matter. by all means, Kamala Harris, yeah. call me up and uh, we can talk about it. And uh, maybe you can come uh, sit come down, uh, yeah. <laughs> sit down in the OTA studios high above the one cent freeway. I mean, maybe, you're already in California. You might as well just uh, maybe you can explain explain how now you're running for president as a leftist and you spent most of your life locking up people uh, and being the top cop and now <laughs> trying to pretend like that wasn't the case. Look at that. Um so what I got here, number of Twitter followers increase. Okay. That oh. seems like a, a uh, way of sure. charting something at the very least. Sure, yeah. Uh, Harris gained the most, followed by Castro and Buttigieg, mm-hmm. and Gang for some odd known reason. Because he had so little. So any I think Williamson was, was followed uh, by the train wreck factor of it all. Yeah, because that shit she crazy. Was, <laughs> she was so nuts. Yeah. Uh, Warren, Gabbard, Booker, Sanders, Klobuchar, Inslee, Gillibrand, Biden, de Blasio, Delaney, O'Rourke, Swalwell, Ryan, Hickenlooper, Bennett. Yeah, that that's that seems about it's this this chart, just the Twitter followers, which doesn't isn't a scientific method, still does feel like a sort of a a somewhat reasonable expectation of like how people did it. Winners and losers. Yeah. 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 Um, With the exception of Yang and Williamson, who I think was more of like the. Shock value. <laughs> well, no, I think that like, if they were going to get more voters, this is the only way they would get more voters. So, yes, they were a winner in that case. But appealing to a national audience, no. I don't think you're going to get a vote. Yeah, I mean, I I just think that I like – so I, I really enjoy having having people like Yang and Williamson on the stage yeah. for the fact of giving them a chance to have a say. Mm-hmm. But it it they were so far out from like the the, the thing I, I I think I've said about Andrew Yang before like the the idea of a universal basic income is an interesting theory and it's an interesting thing to be to make like your main talking point right yeah uh, I don't see how it would work and I I especially know that the version that Andrew Yang is proposing would not work just by knowing how the economy runs but like the the fact that he had nothing else to go to other than this yeah. was a problem <clears throat> yeah, the fact that like people would you know they'd be like you know like andrew yang on healthcare. what do you think he's just like well universal basic income will help a lot of this and i'm just yeah. like no you, you gotta have answers other than that you gotta you gotta be able to like get a direct question on something like medicare for all and be able to talk about it without pivoting back to your one point well yeah you know? I, ju- I just imagine the prep for that is the guys everybody they're asking him questions getting ready for the debate and they're like remember pivot back to universal basic income how can we get back to the ubi how can we do that more people who hear about it the more people will like it yeah so, but i don't know but I, so uh, debates were relatively boring a lot of people did uh i think they made hay where they could um god i hope harris is not going to be the candidate just because uh, people are saying harris warren now or warren harris and um, again, Harris was a person who made her bones putting poor people away for their lives. If I threatening mothers and children, I can't really, if I had to, to say winners and losers, winner of debate two was definitely Kamala Harris. Yeah. Uh, she, she, she did a fantastic job. Um, and what she does really well 
and it's the prosecutor of her, mm-hmm. which I know that you have <laughs> split emotions about. Oh, no but, split emotions. I have very straightforward emotions. No, but I'm saying, like, as far as, as far as the aspect of, like, because she's a prosecutor, she knows how to be able to, like, stand up for herself in a stage like this. She's good at uh, interrogating people when they're uh, in front of, like, the Senate yeah. committee on something. Like, when she's asking questions, she's really good. She knows what she's talking about. She can put together a linear form of conversation, like, you know, a linear thought process that allows you to get from a beginning point to an end point in the right. amount of time that she has. Uh, she doesn't back down to people. Uh, and it, it, she it, what it really does, like when she was going back and forth with Biden in the second debate, uh, you could see how that kind of performance would translate well into a debate with Donald Trump if it got to that point. Except for you're missing the most important point, which is no matter what happens, if we get to November, she's losing to Donald Trump. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, it, it, and that's another thing I've been thinking about a lot here about like who who goes up against him and does well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Warren to me is an incredibly bright, smart, thoughtful person yeah. who has a lot of. Uh, very well thought out ideas of how she can correct some inequality in the world that we live in. Sure. But I still worry that there's just this level of hatred of Elizabeth Warren that will never be solved by her coming up with a great idea. Okay. Like the, much like Hillary, Hillary was a very bright, very exceptionally talented politician. People hated her. Who had, you know, if she was a man, if she was just the governor of, you know, uh, uh, Texas, yeah. who decided to run for president, then we'd be saying, like, wow, he really knows what he's talking about. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, if it was somebody who had the same track record, you know? Sure. And if, like, if we, you want that kind of neo, neo-Democrat. Right. But I'm saying, like, yeah. you know, it, 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 I, I think that it, because it was Hillary, it, much the same as, like, there's, there's male versions of this politician, too. Mm-hmm. Ted Cruz. Like, you know, people uh, when when Ted Cruz was running for the Republican nomination, there were people who didn't want to vote for him because he was Ted Cruz. Right. Uh, it had nothing to do with, like, what he was standing for or what he was doing. Beto, just, I don't like Ted Cruz. Beto <laughs> did in part as well as he did because there were people who were just sick of Ted Cruz. And yeah. Like anybody but Ted Cruz put up Beto. Great. I'm voting for him. I don't care who he is. I'm yeah. Gonna, I don't want to vote for Ted Cruz. I, I, I just think there's a, a higher degree of that with. Warren, there's a higher degree of that with Biden mm-hmm. of like, I just don't like this person. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, I don't know. To me, it's about like winnowing down. So the next debate, the the uh, baseline to get in is much harder. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to be at 4% or 5% on three different polls to qualify. You have to have a certain number of donations and donors to qualify, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think ten of the people who were in these two debates, so half of the candidates, would not hypothetically qualify for the second one. Right. Although the 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 post at which you have to hit is sometime in the future. It's not today, right? But I'm saying like the uh, how how barely they they were able to yeah. sneak in on this first the 1%. one. Yeah, yeah, um, probably not going to make it. So I mean, like if you're someone like Swalwell who was at one percent and just barely one percent enough to make the debate. You had to have such an incredible debate mm-hmm. to rise to the level where you were going to start polling at 5% and qualify for the next if it was 5%. So let's talk about somebody who is going to make that second debate. 
Yeah. Pete Buttigieg. Yes. And I'm going to counter your Harris proposal because going back to the data, the infographic, uh, uh, Kamala, Kamala, whoever, however you want to say it, uh, <laughs> was Kamala. the most widely searched candidate after the debate in places that are already voting for Democrats. Mm-hmm. So now ask yourself, who was the most widely searched candidates in places where conservatives live? And what is the answer to that question? Uh, Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg is the person who red staters are searching for. Uh, and I had uh, an interesting conversation today with a uh, friend of the show, Roberto, about, uh, well, he, he asked, don't you think that people are in those states saying, you know, I like what he's saying, but I can't vote for a gay guy. And I said, no, I think what they're saying is, I know he's gay, but... He's an Afghan war vet. He's a guy who gave up his cushy government job to go back a third time when his buddies went back. He's got a good position on guns. He's got a good position on individual rights. He's got a good position on um, the economy. Uh, He seems really smart in a way that isn't condescending to me. Yeah. And I think that if you're talking about beating Donald Trump in November... And forget about all of these polls. I know we said it last week, but forget about the polls you're seeing where, like, every Democrat, like, Andrew Yang is beating fucking Donald Trump in November right now. Like, that that doesn't work. <laughs> no, uh, uh, number one, don't listen to polls right now. Yeah. Nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. And people Biden, don't know don't, who... I mean, like, the reason why Biden is leading right now is because more people know who Biden is yes. than... I mean, the, the number of people that the average American knows of the Democratic candidates is pretty low. But don't listen to even polls the week before the election, as Hillary told us. Every yeah. poll said it was going to be a landslide. She was going to win. And she well, lost. she also didn't want people to think that she was going to uh, win so that they showed up. Yes. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, um, it doesn't benefit you to say, you know, like, oh, I got this in the bag. Don't even worry. <laughs> Don't even bother showing up. If we get every Democrat who voted in 2016 to vote again. Yeah, you would need more than that. Donald too. Trump's going to win. Yeah. So what we need is those red staters to someone to motivate people who didn't vote to come out, or those red staters to change their votes and say this has not gone the way I expected. Is the alternative on the Democratic side worth voting for? I don't think Biden is. I don't think Warren is. I don't think Kamala is. But I think that Pete Buttigieg is offering an alternative that red staters can be get behind, and he's not perfect. Because he's not Republican, yeah. but he's better than Trump, and I would rather vote for a Democrat that I like than vote than hold my nose and vote for Trump again. Now, can Democrats vote for him? Well, he's saying a lot of the right stuff for Democrats. He's not as far left as people would like. He's not as far left as I would like. When I hear Warren uh, talking about uh, forgiving student loans, that appeals to me as yeah. a person. With student loans, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, when I hear Cory Booker talking about, like, I would immediately give clemency to anyone in jail for, for less than whatever amount of marijuana. Yeah. I'm with you. When I hear Julian Castro talking about, like, uh, you know, borders are lines we draw on a map, and maybe we need to rethink the way that we look at the border. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. All of those things are far left where I am individually. But... I also am looking at the future of the Republic, which is very much in jeopardy. And I say, I don't need to hold my nose to vote for Pete Buttigieg. He is a Democrat in the best ways, and he ignores some of those things I don't like, which Biden really stands for. Um, And he appeals to Republican voters. But 
We can't get out of our own fucking way. I mean, because Democrats are dumb. And you, you know why? You know why Democrats lose so goddamn always? Because <laughs> they think they're fucking smarter than everybody. And you shove a candidate down the throats of Americans. Yeah. And it's got to be Biden. He's the only one who can beat Trump. It's when, just they, like <laughs> when they walk into that booth on election day, they'll tell you time after time after time, yeah, Joe Biden's the only option. And they walk in there and the curtain closes and they fucking pull the, uh, Donald Trump one. And they go, you know what? I'm not voting for Biden. So I'll vote for somebody else. So stop trying to think you're fucking smarter than everybody. You know, this is a candidate who is amazing, and he's a Democrat, and he's a real Democrat, not like Biden, who's a, a dino. So in more than one way, he's a dino. I, Dinosaur and uh, also a Democrat name only. I, I, th I think that uh, the, the party learned a lesson in 2016 with how they treated Bernie. Yeah. And I think they realized that by forcing Hillary down our throats that they – uh, it left a lot of people staying home at the end of the day. Like a lot of people were just like, fuck this. I'm not going, I'm not going to vote because I don't want to vote for Hillary. I don't want to vote for Trump. I'm just not going to vote. And I think enough of those people didn't show up or didn't come out. And Donald Trump won. Cause like I, the, the margins in the States where Trump won by, you know, 10,000, 20,000 votes was enough to, be the disaffected Bernie voters, essentially. I disagree. I though. really disagree that any third party candidate really had a huge no, impact on any of these races. That part but. I agree. I disagree with the part where you said, I think the Democrats learned their lesson because I don't think that they did. I think the way that they're backing Biden, and maybe there's a little shift now going looking at like, well, is this Warren Harris ticket going to be viable? But they are going to pick I, somebody early and they're going to shove them down our throats. I That's going to be it. I really think they're, they're, at least right now, they're trying to let the process play out. I what becomes interesting is um, let's say Buttigieg was just not in line with what the Democrats wanted like like Sanders and was he, last yeah, time right he's not yeah he's not uh, the candidate that they want right and, but and I'm openly saying, gay war veteran who talks speaks to middle America why would we possibly want to put in that eight guy different out? languages oh yeah <laughs> it speaks to middle America in a different language. A, a president who could greet all the most powerful leaders of the world in their native tongue why would we would, possibly want that I after Donald Trump? I wouldn't put it past him that like uh, like Abe from Japan is going to come visit the White House on Tuesday and yeah. he learns Japanese by the time he shows up. I mean, not even, <laughs> like, not even the full language, yeah. but like sit down with somebody and be like, I, I, I don't want to sound just like an, an idiot. Give just me the enough, intonation. Just enough to say like a couple like basic things yeah. and then also maybe like one, one thing surprising. a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, like. You know, what I really enjoy about Tokyo is not only is it incredibly beautiful, but the technology is beyond that of any other major city in the entire world. Like, that's not a easy Japanese phrase, no, no. but if he learned how to say it and then like Abe was just like, oh, yes. Wow. But this again, guy, he's after, sharp. After four years of Donald Trump, <laughs> where he literally sits in the back of the room because they're doing it in French yeah. without his headphones on. And you're like, yeah. there's no way you understand what they're saying. <laughs> you're not smart enough to know French. And you're just like, ah, oh, he doesn't care. He's gonna, he's waiting for his turn to speak. He's not listening to what people are saying. And that we exchange that for this beautiful man with his beautiful family who speaks so many languages and is so, uh, you know, I, on it. I, I will say this about Buttigieg, and I, I think it's an interesting. I remember me and me and my mother had a discussion about uh, uh, Bernie during the last election cycle, mm -hmm. where she was worried that. Uh, people wouldn't vote for a Jewish candidate. Right. Like there was still a level of anti-Semitism out there that would keep people from voting for a Jewish candidate. 
And then I was just like, ah, I don't know if that's really the case. And then Nazis came back. So maybe I yeah. was wrong. But <laughs> I mean, like the uh, what what I think is really interesting, though, is that, you know, Hillary ran a very like I'm going to be the first woman president campaign. And it yeah. was all about that. Uh, Buttigieg being the first openly gay candidate that we've had running for president is almost kind of beside the point to yep. him running. He and I, I don't think that unless somebody told you that he was gay, that you would necessarily know. Uh, unless you're you kissing his husband. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm saying happen. like nobody. It, it, it's not like he's running on like the I'm I'm everything gay rights is going to be about me. Yes, he's running about. He's just a candidate who happens to be gay. Yes. That's sort of the thing. And I uh, honestly, with Bernie and the Jewish thing, I always thought, saw him not as like a Jewish candidate, but yeah. like I'm just a candidate who happens to be Jewish, you know? Also, uh, keep in mind, uh, Americans... And I think Harris sort of does the same thing with, with her being a, you know, black woman candidate. Like, she's not leaning into that, like, I want to be the first... Black woman. Black woman president. Yeah. I She's just like, I'm running for president. I just also happen to be a black woman, which is like... I think the uh, there's something about sort of putting out an identity before your your presidency yeah. that I think rubs people the wrong way. And I think a lot of these candidates are sort of learning from that and trying to uh, take little bits of what make them special and applying it to their run, but not making it about that, you know? However, I think it's important to remember that uh, this works at a disadvantage to Warren and Harris, and Swalmore, and uh, Gillibrand, and uh, all those ladies. Because no matter what, Pete and Corey and Beto will all have always have a an up over them. Because no matter what happens, Americans will always hate women more than they hate anything else. <laughs> and I, I legitimately think that if it was a horse race between Warren and Pete Buttigieg, he would win simply because, I, assuming Donald Trump's not running. Yeah. He would still win because pe- people would rather elect a gay man, no matter how they feel about gay men, than they would elect a woman. And and that's just what, it, like, a straight woman who's been with her husband and has kids and grandkids and now great-grandkids, they would rather elect a gay 40-year-old a gen ex, or a millennial man than they would elect a woman. Well, it's like we so. talked, uh, it was a couple weeks back now, with Katie Porter and Ben Carson. And mm-hmm. when he was when he did the Oreos thing, yeah. When she was talking about Oreos, yeah. and uh, I I mentioned that moment where like you could see her thought process like while she was sitting there, going like I have to be careful about how I take this moment, yeah. Because if I go too hard on poor Ben Carson who's sitting out here like an idiot who looks like an idiot and everyone <laughs> who's believes acting he's an like an idiot, yep. <laughs> like you know if it was if it was Cory Booker in that place instead of Katie Porter, yeah. Cory Booker could have like leaned in the microphone and been like, are you a fucking idiot, sir? <laughs> and like nobody would have thought about it. Like it would have led every single news show. It's just like Cory Booker puts you people. Know. People let you cut their heads open. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yeah. But Katie Porter goes like, mm, sir, are you an idiot? Then it would have just been like Katie Porter picking on poor Ben Carson. Yes. You know, like yeah. it, there, there's, there's 100% a, a sexism that's involved in this thing. Yep. Uh, real quick before we move on. Uh, I'm trying to, put in my mind uh the next debate i think we're moving basically from 20 to 10 yes so we have to winnow out half of these candidates essentially there's gonna be a single night so they all have to fit on one stage yeah so uh 10 candidates where where do you who who do you think uh does the 
sort of irrelevant of who you would be voting for. Yes. Just yeah. as far as like putting out a field that you think is in line with what the Democrats want right now, mm -hmm. where would you put that? Where would you make your line here? Well, I mean, I, I think everybody's going to agree on, on this list. Uh, I mean, there are people I would love to see for entertainment value. Andrew Yang, um, uh, Michelle, or Marie, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, that, uh, what's her fate? Wholesome, Homar, whatever, whatever it is. Williamson? Williamson. Yeah. Williamson. Uh, Marianne I'd love Williamson. To see them. Marianne Williamson. I'd love to see them, but uh, only for the entertainment value, not for the republic. Uh, and apologies if you can hear all the noise in the background. Producer Carly is not <laughs> respecting the silence in the studio during the broadcast. She, she came by to visit and yes. say hello. Uh, so, uh, I mean, the field's going to be, let's say, um, Biden's going to be in there. Well, yeah, let, Harris let, is let's do be this. Let, let's knock out the 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 for sure. Yes. Harris, uh, Biden, Harris, Warren, Warren Sanders, Booker, Booker, uh, Castro uh, now probably. Well, the, those five are like the the front runners. Yes. So yeah. those are the five that I think are are definitely going to make it there. Um, so uh, Buttigieg. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. Castro, I think, is still going to probably do well. I think Castro ha did enough in this debate to yeah. deserve a seat in the next one. Um, I think Beto is going to be on the uh, on the bubble. He Beto's on the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. I think he makes it though, just because he he has enough of a name. And probably enough of a uh, funding source that he's yep. able to make that level of the... He came into this debate able to make the next one. So he'd have to lose ground at this yeah. point to not do it. So that's I eight. think Glo Klobuchar probably makes it. That's nine. No, that's eight. Nope. You said five. And then we said uh, Budejage, um Castro, Beto, Klobuchar. That's nine. Okay. So nine. Yeah. So who would be my tenth? Um... I don't know. The tenth is a little bit tough. I think that there there's a couple people who could make a claim for it, but it's like nobody's really strong there at the ten spot. Yeah. You know, like maybe Gabbard. I don't know. Maybe she's doing all right in the polls and stuff like that. I've heard less of her though in the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, like I I think that's if you're anybody who I didn't mention, you probably have a chance at making that ten spot if you uh, dramatically. Uh, make up some ground here. Yeah. But, uh, th I mean, there's room for another person to break into the 10 spot. But, I mean, like, I, I just don't... And I again, don't uh, Beto and Klo Klobuchar are kind of on the bubble as well. It's just like you could fall and somebody else yeah. could grab those points and boost themselves up. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Beto, like, uh, but, I mean, like, really, over really guy, I think it's eight or nine strong candidates yeah. who, who should be seriously considered. And, I mean, they um, may they may end up saying, hey, listen, either we got to let 15 people in or we raise it by 2% and then we get it down to seven. All right, we're going to do seven. Yeah. We think that that's more fair. Um, so, I guess we'll see. I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna just make a couple quick points here before we move on. Yeah. Um, one thing, uh, this isn't... Uh, everyone's allowed to have their fun. I know that, that Twitter is uh, well known for uh, taking things like this and having fun with it. Uh, Marion Williamson, I believe has a hearing problem, <laughs> which is why she sounds so weird. Oh, does she? Yeah. Well, I didn't so, even see that. Cause a lot of people were making fun of her, uh, the way she speaks. And I, I, I seem to remember hearing somewhere that she has a hearing problem. I made fun and of her for her tweets about how uh, AIDS wasn't real and how crystals can protect <laughs> you from disease. Which or is the, not true. Or the fact that, I mean, like, it, it, she was she was a really zany character, which is adds to the level of making fun of her. I mean, like, to, 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 what, one of the questions was, uh, uh, what would be the first thing you do when you get into 
get into the Oval Office if you want. And, you know, they're they're supposed to be quick things. We're going down the line. Give me a give me a sentence or two or give me a sentence about what would be the first thing you would do. And, you know, everyone's talking about like any child separation or, uh, you know, health care or doing this or doing that, like all serious things. Mm-hmm. And Williamson's was I'm going to call the is the prime minister of New, Eng- New Zealand. Yes. I'm going to call the prime minister of New Zealand because she said there's no better place for a child to be raised than New Zealand. And I'm going to tell her that her days are numbered because the U.S. is coming for her. <laughs> like, that's not a thing you do. <laughs> like, what do you, to be like, fair, though, I mean, like, like it's a you could just answer. do that now. Like, <laughs> it's a good answer, though. It's a good it's a good like, uh, you know, these guys are just saying stuff like let's we're addressing Donald Trump. I'm yeah. saying let's talk about the future. Let's make this a good place for kids. again. Some people some people that I think should just fuck off and die right now. Uh <laughs> I mean, as far as like running for president is mm-hmm. concerned, yeah, like, go ahead. You should close up. Go there. ahead, close up, Corey. <laughs> go ahead. Who should fuck off and die? Uh, uh, Michael Bennett, uh, John Higginlooper. Uh, I can't remember a guy's first name. Ryan. God, he he's such a weird looking. <laughs> There's a lot of weird looking people on that stage. No, I mean it, him specifically though. He has the look on like the the thing I told Roberto was like it looked like. Uh, we're we're going to lunch with him like and then after we've already walked from the car to the restaurant we're like 20 minutes into eating and i'm just like did you park in a red zone uh he just has that face like did i did i leave the oven on all the like, time yeah, yeah all the time mm-hmm. um swalwell i i don't even, like he just looks like a fucking gi joe come to life <laughs> And I, I mean, like, he's it, it, the, here's the thing. A lot of these people are perfectly fine politicians, congressmen, and, like, senators, congressmen, yeah. governors, all this. Like, I, I'm fine with Swalwell being a congressman. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying he should, you know, like, you know, move to Djibouti or something like that. He's, he can continue to be a California congressman. Wait, wait, wait. I just <laughs> can you tell me where Djibouti is in Africa? Where in Africa? The southeast coast. Hmm. Also known as the Ivory Gold Coast. No. Oh. No, wait. You're right. It is the Ivory Coast. Gold Coast is the uh, bottom other side of it. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Look at the big brain on the uh, <laughs> Corey. On Corey. <laughs> I was trying to remember what the uh, actual quick look at the bu- big brain on Brad. Brad. Look at yeah, the big yeah. brain on Brad over <laughs> here. Um uh, John Delaney, I don't even understand why the fuck he's running. Like it, it Again, he seems like a perfectly fine guy who just doesn't have any business being in this race. See, one thing I learned this week, like just like De Blasio, like yeah, uh, you know, like uh, I, I'm glad that uh, Garcetti didn't decide to run because yeah. uh, he'd be getting the De Blasio treatment and worse right yeah. now because uh, De Blasio, uh, while being a progressive figure that won New York City has not really done anything since he became mayor of New York yeah. city. Not even been there for a lot of it. Yeah. So. Much like a uh, Garcetti with, with LA. And uh, I, I just feel like the, the media hate storm would be too much for Garcetti to deal with. Uh, you know what I learned though this week? I think that a lot of these guys who are running live in a bit of an echo chamber and in, in their district in California or in their city, people love them and people know them. And they think that that's somehow going to translate nationally. Yeah. And it just doesn't. You have that's, to have something else. That's why I think you got to give it up for the people who are popular uh, in their district. Like, don't get the the hate, per se. Yeah. And realize that they don't have any business running for uh, like uh, Charlie. Charlie Wilson, by the way, if you guys know who Charlie Wilson is, uh, 
never had anyone run against him after the first term for Congress in Texas. Never had aspirations for anything bigger than his district in Texas. They love me here. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm safe here. This I, I could go to. I could go anywhere in the country. Uh, they're not going to know me. They know me here and they love me. Yeah, that's it. The so. the other one. Uh, um, who's uh, God? Who's the congressman uh, out of Hollywood? Who's always getting in Trump's face? Uh, Scott. No, hold on. Why am I forgetting his name? God damn it, bald guy. Uh, no idea. I've seen the billboards though. Yeah. I can't remember. Who yeah, was. but like he's like the type of like Democrats really like him, but it, he has no business running for president. He's gonna live in WeHo like, for his whole life yeah. and uh, <laughs> just keep getting. It's Charlie Wilson. He's gonna keep yeah. getting elected to that seat. And nobody's gonna ever care. He should just stay there. He's, he's fine. He's, and the more he, uh, hatred you uh, heap on Trump, it yeah. only makes it better at home. But yeah. like nationally, it's not gonna do any good. So. Yeah. Anyway, that's about the yeah. the end of it of the thoughts. Uh, I would also say, just as a as a final parting thought, uh, NBC has to fucking get their their shit together a little bit because the debate, as far as a uh, actual presentation on television, was yeah. a little bit scattershot. Um, uh, having, I understand why you want to have all the mics open all the time so that if somebody interrupts, like you can hear You're them. Like, Go to her, go to her, go to her. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to worry about some guy in the back like having to like dial up the fader on the person who starts talking yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. But uh you know, as somebody who does sound, I was a little bit annoyed by hearing the sound of like fifteen open mics just like and one person speaking because it sounds very hollow. Yep. Um and then also uh just like too many moderators and too many people who are like, you know, like we're, we're going to go to Lester Holt in the audience. And like, I don't know. It just seems like uh, they were trying to throw a lot of things into it. And it would have been better if it was just like Savannah Guthrie and maybe one other person like Savannah Guthrie and Lester Holt just sitting there yeah. doing questions yeah. like that. That would have been fine. Nothing against anybody else who was up there answer, or as a moderator. Too many cooks. But like, it's, yeah, too just cooks. too many cooks. Like, yeah. uh, let, hopefully with more debates, we get that those things evened out as well. Well, we are already going a little long, so uh, I want to get cut to the other topic of the breakdown of the Republic. Uh, and if you follow us on Twitter, you may have seen a little bit of this already. Of course, you can follow me at Robert and Cheek on Twitter at Legend CB five for. Corey on Twitter. Um, and that, of course, is the Supreme Court of the United States decision in the uh, gerrymandering case, which was actually a decision in a bunch of cases that were brought together. Yeah, there uh, were there were like four or five gerrymandering yes. cases. That so were uh, what I would like court. to do at this point is to give Corey, uh, if you follow along at all, uh, basically the two sides of this are Corey not really caring about this decision and me caring about it very much and understanding I, that uh, that moment where... Um, uh, the princess, uh, Natalie Portman's character, you've never seen Star Wars, you have no yeah. idea, is sitting there and she's Podway like... Podway or whatever? Uh, Padme. 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 Uh, is sitting there and says, oh, so this is how uh, the Republic dies, not with uh, with thundering applause. Uh, or with a, a wink gif by Mitch McConnell. Um, <laughs> I understand how serious this is. Uh, I don't know that Corey does. So what I'd really like you to do is to basically like explain yourself. That's it. Explain yourself. Okay, so I think first of all, my my take on this has been uh, uh, misinterpreted there, uh, because it's not that I don't think that this is a problem and that uh, gerrymandering isn't something that we should aim to solve. I think that we are in a very hyper partisan time in this country, and that 
things that have political motivations on both sides are being read as like when the Saint fans didn't get the the pass interference call at the end of the Saints Rams game and they're just like we're screwed we would have gone to the Super Bowl if it wasn't for this like everyone all the democrats that i follow on twitter and elsewhere who are complaining about uh the supreme court ruling on this are taking it in a manner which is like i can't believe it we were right and they didn't decide in our favor but legally speaking what what the supreme court decided here is not like this is this isn't personal this is just what the fuck do you want us to do like the, the, the there there is not there are not a lot of rules about how congressional districts are made at the federal level on the state level uh based on what state you live in there's other things that go into it some of them have like compact rules like where districts must be compact and in a as reasonable of a of a normal shape as possible so like uh, under the best case scenario, you know, if you had a, uh, say, you had Kansas, right? How many? How many? How uh, many congressional districts does Kansas have? Four? Probably three or four. Yeah. So say it's four, just out of the mm-hmm. out of argument's sake, and can, uh, Kansas is already just a square box. Well, so Colorado is a better example because Colorado okay. does have four, and it's a square box. Yeah. So theoretically. So and let's say hypothetically that the population was spread evenly amongst the state, right? Yes. Uh, under the best case scenario, every congressional district would just be four little boxes inside of the one big box. Yes. That would make everybody happy because it would be normal size shapes. It's not going into like neighborhoods and stuff like that. It's just we're sticking with that. If there's something that causes like the eastern shore of Maryland, which wants to have a congress it wants to have a representative that basically has their interest at heart right so just by the shape of the eastern shore you're not going to have like a perfect square right you're going to have to like go along the coast and everything like that and then you're going to get the thing there but well, like and because of population the requirements on population yeah. it slowly creeps into yeah, yeah, the yeah. western shore cuz their population doesn't grow so right. we need 700 and it goes 000. over the top yeah. to like get extra people and but you I mean, could you could do it long ways across the bay but then the guy who's representing you is actually in St. Mary's County yeah. and has to drive 3 hours to get over to where you are yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. not but really- I'm I'm saying like you know and there the problem is that uh there are many different ways that people have looked at the issue of gerrymandering and have tried to figure out the most fair solution for these problems. Mm-hmm. But without actual things that are written down to act as guideposts, you, you can't you can't make those decisions just unilaterally. Okay. Like you, so you were you uh, like? Can we let's start? Yeah, can you, we you agree? Go, you go ahead. Can we agree that there were int- intentions by the, the, the defendants in all of these cases to make districts based on, in some cases, race, and in other cases, political party? I, I would say yes. Racial gerrymandering, though, is a is illegal False. and they're no they're, False. they're, they're no, you because can't, title you can't three- make a you can't make a congressional or you can't make a district based off of race false because title three of the voting rights act expired and the court 
in an earlier session two years ago said that they were no longer going to enforce the Voting Rights Act. So, okay. yes, in fact, you can make one based on race so long so as... So now you can. Wait, wait. I, I made yes. the mistake of, of... So long as you don't say it's based on race. Yeah. All factors can show it's based on race. You just can't say it's based on race. Well, so, I, will, I will say this, too, not in like defense of racial gerrymandering or anything like that, but there is a lot of people who actually... Uh, like the idea of having sort of a racial district, which is part of the argument that was made I mean, to it, overturn it. Yeah, yes. and I mean, like you know, the so like uh, right here in our little corner of downtown. Yeah, we have Chinatown, we have Little Tokyo, mm-hmm. we have a lot of Asian like population in sure. this general area. Two different countries. But oh, yeah. I know, but I'm saying like there there has been there has been proof that says that people like you know like Asian people like to have like an Asian representative. Sure, you know. So, Even if he's not of their particular race, right? Race. The, yeah. Somebody who who more identifies with the people that he's that right. he's serving. Uh, Baltimore has traditionally had like a district sort of to itself, yeah, because you know the heavily African American population of Baltimore would like to have a he- African American representative uh, representing one, them. One who parks up on the sidewalk in front of uh, your sister's old building there, <laughs> and then blocks your way and drives really slow. And drives very very <laughs> slow. <laughs> Very, very slow. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, the, the, there's an argument to be made that that by having a district based largely on race is not something that people don't want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I, I can understand that as well. I don't think that it's right that if you were a state like North Carolina, when they got in trouble for this, mm-hmm. where they were specifically designing districts that sort of meandered anywhere where there was any kind of a black population all right. throughout the state. It would be different if they said, like, you know, Charlotte, you know, like the west part of Charlotte. I don't know if this is true. I'm just sort of making things up. Yeah. The western half of Charlotte is a more heavily African-American community. And there's little pockets of African-American communities that surround Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make a district that sort of winds around just that area. But it looks kind of like a traditional congressional district. And let's say North Carolina got in trouble for was making like a spider where... Little right. legs were breaking off into any little part where African-Americans so, were in North let's Carolina. Let's use that as an example. Yeah. Let's say that North Carolina redistri- redistricts in 2021, mm-hmm. and they make that district again. Okay. And they say, culturally, the people who live in this district are very similar. And because this runs down a highway, which is a major connector, these people are connected via travel, mm-hmm. and therefore it is a legitimate district. What's to stop them from enforcing that? I mean, right now, nothing. Right. Exactly right. There is nothing. Yeah. And there will be nothing. So we are back to Jim Crow, essentially. See, no, no, no. Hold on. No, it's back to Jim no, Crow. No, no, no. You're, 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 you're making... So, again, this, this is... This is you compl- we're Orioles fans, right? Mm-hmm. When uh, the Orioles get screwed, when Jeffrey Mayer reaches over and grabs the ball... Yeah. We're upset yeah. about the injustice of the whole thing and how we could have won the World Series if it wasn't for that moment. Right. And nobody's ever going to be able to understand how good of that team was and blah, 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 blah. And I, I can't believe it happened. And the same exact thing happened where one of our fans reached over and grabbed the ball and we benefited from it. That we would be going like, you know, like, well, that's sort of how it happens in baseball and blah, blah, no, blah, I, blah, blah. I get it. No, it when, when it's the state of Maryland... And who lost hev- or who won, by the way, in this decision? Because and it's heavily, Democrats there won. And it's heavily Democratic. Yeah. And they want to minimize the number of Republican districts. And they do. So much so that they will make the Eastern Shore where it goes over the top 
and then literally just picks off by neighborhood. Yep, because your parents' neighborhood. Because specifically, it goes just down my parents' street and then circles back around out. their house yeah. and then back out. The and neighborhood. then back out. Clearly, they're just trying to lump as many Republicans in yes. as humanly possible. And what that, is there and, to stop? And as a as a Democrat, you're ha- you're happy about that because yes. you get more Democratic districts. And I'm when not happy about that. When a Republican does it, you're very upset. No, That's the problem. I am That's, not it, happy. It's not a. I am not happy about that because it's a, it causes the downfall of the Republic. My question is, what is there to stop them from doing that? Now, get Congress. In. This is my fucking. This is the, the whole thing I was talking about. So. Everyone's upset that the Supreme Court has decided that they're not going to decide whether whether or not these things are are legal anymore and that it's going to require somebody to make a a more firm rule as to what is and isn't gerrymandering. Incorrect. That is not what they no, decided. That's a, that is not what they said. <laughs> that is not what they decided. They said that any redistricting questions are a political question. Yes. And a political question is not to be decided by the judiciary, meaning that no federal court, whether it's the Supreme Court mm-hmm. or the district court of any place, can issue a ruling on a uh, on a di- redistricting plan. The pro- See, here's the problem, though. Gerrymandering is very much like the old line about pornography. I know it when I see it. It's, it's you, not. It's you, really you, not. You can, look at, you can look at a district and say, that doesn't look right. The the one district in Maryland that was brought up in the in the thing yeah. where it looks like just somebody threw a bunch of snot against the wall like it it's so scattershot yeah that it looks unusual it doesn't look like somebody designed it on purpose like it it or like so it looked like somebody designed it on purpose to get as many <laughs> districts of a certain kind together sure. you know like the there's nothing stopping the states from drawing the lines any way they see fit right other than uh, the idea of uh, suing and bringing this to the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court cannot be in charge of calling balls and strikes and whether or not something is right and something isn't. Where is your line where you stop, where you say that this district is good and this district is bad and this district follows a precedent that was set in a Supreme Court decision in 1992 and this one doesn't because of this and blah, 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 blah. Create a rule that firmly sets what is and isn't gerrymandering, okay. and then the court can decide on it. And so, first of all, there is a rule that says that. The rule that you quoted as a state rule is actually a rule of the Federal Election Commission, which says that state sh- uh, districts should be as contiguous as possible um, and that they must actually touch, which is why people, they trace down highways in some yeah. cases. But more importantly um those are general guidelines though that are sent off to the states though that's not that's not like a law who is going to pass this law that you are proposing no uh, no no wait wait, wait. answer the question who is going to pass this law nobody right but who in your mind should be passing this law nobody's going to pass the law that's the problem no you're answer my question (laughs) in your perfect world in your head who is going to pass this law Okay, let me let me put it this way. Answer uh, the question. <laughs> Nobody. That's no. the question. That's if the answer. If you had your way, you're describing the situation where the Supreme Court should only get involved when a law is passed. Who passes the law that the Supreme Court can address? Okay, except for the Constitution itself. The, the combination itself. of the House and the Senate. Okay, the Constitution itself bars Congress from doing that because it leaves the decisions on districting to the states. Yeah. So Congress cannot absent a an amendment to the constitution do that yeah so why i compare it to jim crow is because absent a constitutional amendment this cannot be done 
Okay. It's left to the states. The states are then reviewed by the state courts, which is still allowed. And the state courts are full of the same people who are in the state legislature. Therefore, those districts will stand. Without judicial review, which has been established in 1803, Marbury versus Madison, saying that federal courts are there to say, hey, states, you're a big cabal together, and someone needs to look over your shoulder and say, we as a country have a set of beliefs, and if you violate that on a state level, we're going to intercede. Now, we're not going to tell you how to change it, but we're going to tell you you need to change it. Mm -hmm. Jim Crow wasn't broken up by by the Supreme Court saying, hey, this is how you do read, uh, how you do busing. Yeah, but, uh, this is how you do... Uh, making things fair for everyone they said what you're doing is not fair you need to make it a different way Matt and they sent it back for them to do it hold on hold on hold on but because you're bringing up madison v marbury which i i know that i'm i'm uh stepping into perilous ground because you know a lot more about it than i do so please be kind of my general knowledge of this information okay uh because i'm just going to go off of how i recognize this as an important supreme court precedent okay in Madison v. Marbury, it was the judicial who overturned a law because it was saying that it violated the basic tenets of the Constitution. Correct? Like it was. It was none it of was, that matters. None of that matters. No, no, no. But I'm saying like the reason sure, why yes. they were able to go against what was written law was because they said it didn't. It didn't go in line with the spirit of the Constitution. Correct? N not exactly. No. The there was a. A court case in a state the state court had ruled and made its final ruling the supreme court agreed to hear the case mm -hmm. and established details aside the precedent that the supreme court can take a ruling from a, a uh, state court and hear it in their court give it judicial review and then decide a final final ruling yeah that is it doesn't matter the but details I, it doesn't matter anything else they apply the constitution because that's what the court does but they were establishing the precedent that we can take a state case and we get to decide how what the final decision is in that case but l l let's take it from another aspect then Re let's say instead of gerrymandering uh there was a murder case that went up to the supreme court right okay. like it just keeps getting appealed mm -hmm. up and up and eventually it lands on the supreme court sure the supreme court is not going to look at the case what the Supreme Court is going to do with the murder case is they're going to say there were uh, violations of the law that happened here. Or like there, there were there were things that were wrong with the way the case was prosecuted or the way the case was found. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, like uh, the judge was unfair and was uh, uh, very biased against the client in a very meaningful way. And the judgment should be vacated for that reason. Mm -hmm. They don't sit there and say whether or not the guy was guilty or not. Right. They are looking at it purely on the how the judicial system worked in the case as right. to whether or not they're going to overturn it. Right. So when you're looking at a gerrymandering case, you shouldn't expect the Supreme Court to follow the same sort of precedent where they look at it and say, well, this guy is clearly innocent. Because I'm looking at all the evidence of the case, and they just got it wrong. That's that's I'm not, wait, wait. They, if OJ went up to the Supreme Court, they're not going to say like, "Oh, I'm looking at all these things, and OJ is clearly guilty." I don't get why why California decided that he's innocent, and we're going to overturn it and make it guilty. Now they're saying that there was something wrong with the way that the case happened on the judicial level, not on the actual facts of the case. Yeah, so that's the court reviewing a judicial case. But you're you're making my point for me. That what do you think? What do you think they do when they review gerrymandering cases? Do you think they redraw the map? 
No, I'm not saying that they redraw the map. I'm saying that. What, so what? It, what? I I want to understand what you think the Supreme Court's ruling. Ignore what actually happened. Every case before this. Yeah. What did the Supreme Court do as a final decision in a gerrymandering case? Do it again. Why did they say do it again? Because it was it, it was in violation of the spirit of the law. Was that the map was in violation? Yes. No, that's not what they said. And here's I think your misunderstanding. Okay. They didn't. They never say the map is unfair. They say the process by which you formed this map was well, not done was, fairly. Okay, that, and because, I, I was basically saying the same thing. No, no, you're not, because way. those are very different results. Your argument is, oh, they don't change the end result. You're right, they don't change the end result. They say something that happened in the process violates the Constitution. Yeah. Go back and do it again, not inconsistent with this opinion. And by the way, we're going to offer you <clears throat> 30 pages of how this really should be done. <laughs> right? No, no, wait, 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 wait. That, that's what they do. They say, hey, murder case, here's where you fucked up, and here's 30 pages of advice on how to do it better next time. Here you go. Yeah. In a gerrymandering case, they say, we don't care about the maps. Here's where you fucked up in making the maps, yeah. and here's 30 pages of advice on how to not fuck up again. Because okay. if you come back to us, and any of these things have also happened, we're going to send it back to you, and we're going to tell you, you fucked up again. Here. Now, here's 30 more pages of advice. So both of these examples if are you, about the process, not about the end result. If you want to be upset about the way that gerrymandering is handled in this country or the way that maps are drawn up, then you have your, your sole and complete focus should be on the people who decide whether or not that people should be involved in the ultimate decision making of the process. Right now, we could we could come up with a computer algorithm that could evenly split districts across the entire country. Yes. It would not have any kind of bias built in. It could just be blocks of people. And you could put in all kinds of different things that say, like, uh, understand that in Colorado, people who are on the east side of the Rockies have a different view on how government should handle things because they're more farming people and the people on the west side of the Rockies are this. And you would be able to draw, the, the computer would just be able to make districts that mm -hmm. work under parameters. Yep. The reason why we don't have that is because when Republicans are in charge, they want to be able to draw the maps. Right. When Democrats are in charge, they want to be able to draw the maps. They don't want it to be fair. They want to be able to get an, a leverage over the other party at any given point in time. You're absolutely right. And that was a really nice pivot. But it really doesn't address the underlying issue. Is, the underlying is, issue is that this is a political decision. This right. is this is This is two parties that want to have a winning – they want to be in charge – Every single 10 years when we come with the new districts. Yes. So because they want, it, they want to be able to have carte blanche to be able to draw up these districts any way they see fit. Right. Then they aren't in the business of trying to make this fair and equitable. You're They're right. They're not in the business of trying to make laws that specifically curtail their ability to make districts any way they see fit. Right. If they did, if they had specific rules and regulations saying why things are legal and not legal in the case of gerrymandering then the supreme court would be able to say there was a violation of the law here there was a vi the, the thing that was written up in this constitutional amendment regarding gerrymandering was violated at this moment mm -hmm. because they decided to split up the district in violation of section 175 you know that sort of thing mm -hmm. you know but because there's not these things written down what does the court go off of the court goes off of prior decisions on gerrymandering cases but every single one of these cases is different there's not there's not a perfect version of precedent that goes with every single gerrymandering case right so you're upset that a a court decided that 
politicians were deciding to do political things that sometimes benefit the party that <laughs> that they're of and hurt the party that they're against are it, like it i, I just it, it's it doesn't it you lost the game your team lost the game and that's why you're upset no i'm upset because the judiciary has said we are no longer going to be referees you can play this game any way that you want yeah but why? Why would they? Because there is. They don't want to call balls and strikes. The, no, the you, Supreme Court has so much that, more important right, so things can to we not, do. Can we than stop this? saying balls and strikes? Because that is a ridiculous way to look at this. They're not calling balls and strikes. They are. The, no, Congress, the legislature calls balls and strikes. What they are doing is saying, "Hey, it's the end of the season. Now let's look at all of the rules. Let's see what constitutes a strike and what constitutes a ball." What the fuck are they doing down there? I think it's oh, it up there. Mm. Uh, sounds like someone's getting murdered upstairs <laughs> right now. So it sounds like there's another heavy downstairs too because of the floor shaking. I thought that was just the walls shaking the floor. I don't know. That's or weird. they're having some kind of like <laughs> ceremony downstairs. <laughs> or they're they're really upset about our gerrymandering. I mean, they could. <laughs> they could. They're, but, the people who live both above and below us both draw up maps for. So you're the using and you're Democrats using the balls and strikes upset. example, which is not what the court is doing. The court is coming in at the end of the season and saying, <laughs> what is a ball and what is a strike? And did not not anything more than did they call these games over the course of the year fairly? <laughs> OK, let's make it's, sure that the next time we do this, that next season that, that, it's done fairly. That's absolutely not the case because these, uh, these you don't things, understand the issue well enough to tell me whether or not it's the case. I, you don't I understand we, judicial I review. We, I think we've been having a compelling enough conversation about the summary court here no, but, to prove that I know a little bit about what know, we're talking you know, about. But no, but the thing is, you are looking at it and you're saying, like, end result, here is the thing, end result. But that's not what this no, is about. I, no. The entire discussion is about the court absconding with their role in review, not review of the map, review of the process. That has been clearly laid I, out. There are very clear rules for that. I listen I listened to a lot a lot of this. I, I I, I followed a, uh, there was the gerrymandering product project from 538 mm -hmm. where they were talking about different districts and how they were how they were drawing them up and stuff like that. I was listening to uh, but, you know, another looking, another podcast again, where they were talking about judicial review and this this topic in particular. And I'm saying that the court has made a decision that they're not going to be involved in deciding whether or not something is legal or illegal in this case. Right. Like, they have said no. They have said. Yes, we are. Because we are there's not, not reviewing enough. To, there's not enough to, to base any no. of these decisions off of. And so what they are basically saying is the last 140 years, courts have been ruling on this based on the Constitution, and they've been doing so incorrectly. That's what that's their decision right now. Okay. That for 140 years, this has been an issue that we can look at the Constitution, we can look at the Tenth Amendment, uh, we can look at the Eighth Amendment, we can look at the Fifth Amendment, we can look yeah. at the amendments that have happened since then and say Fifteenth, Sixteenth, Seventeenth, Twentieth, and we can say, hey, uh, based on all of these amendments, uh, this process is flawed. You need to go back and do it again. So you're saying that if I look up the history of Supreme Court cases, I'm not going to find a dozen examples of where the court stood firm on something for a hundred years and they decided to change up. No, you, abso of you absolutely will, but not with this small of a justification and never moving towards regression rather than progress. Not, it's, this is moving regressively. It's a regressive move. It's saying you, instead of assuring freedom and justice for people, if Roberts, we're allowing you to oppress people. If Roberts released in the, in the decision, a one sentence, 
a, a one sentence opinion, one sentence a mar- majority opinion that just said Congress do your motherfucking jobs. That's not. Would you and, not? Would you? Uh, would, uh, would that not get the point clear enough to you? No, I, I understand that people who don't understand the issues enough would look at that no, and it's say a, it's politicians who want to make political decisions. You can't. You can't. You can't blame the court for not wanting to be involved in this. That's not their job. Their job is not to be politicians. Their job is to decide at the end of the day whether or not something is legal or illegal. No, that's, that's or if the, not if their the, job. If the law was violated in some sort of manner or if the judicial process was vi- violated in some sort of manner or whether or not something that a certain state decides is in violation of the Constitution, these are the things that the Supreme Court is supposed to be in, 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 supposed to decide on. Yes. Like, you can't, you can't just bring a case to the Supreme Court saying, is the Electoral College right or wrong? Because that's not their job to decide that. If there was some sort of violation of the law that regards a election and the way that the uh, Electoral College was used to decide this election, yeah. then there, perhaps you have an argument to make for a Supreme Court decision. But if you're just saying whether or not this this way that we operate is right or wrong is not the way that the Supreme Court is supposed to work. I mean, I, I don't know if I can beat my head against the desk any further and just say <laughs> you do not understand the issue because the way that you're applying that argument now is foolish. It, you do not understand what we are talking about. If you are saying we need a law to clearly define how we make district. No, we don't. Is the process violative of the Constitution? 140 years of jurisprudence says the court can review this because we look at the process and say, did it violate the Constitution? Now, the court this time said, oh, we don't even get a chance to look at it. It doesn't matter if it violates the Constitution. If it violated the Constitution, so be it, because it's a political question. And every oppressive regime that has ever arisen has depended on a politically charged court, like the one we have now, mm-hmm. passing a decision like this, where they say, we are no longer going to have the duty for which you have given us. We are going to say, no, this is now a decision that should be decided in legislatures and in executives, but the judiciary won't review it. The Supreme Court isn't shutting down. They just decided they don't no, want to they- deal with this anymore. That, and that's what you don't, that's the further thing you don't understand is that by assigning this a political question, it has a, taken a whole swath of issues and said, this is a political question. Let's say something, let's say something brand new happens tomorrow, right? Uh, Jetpacks become a thing, right? And there's no laws currently on the books about how jetpacks are supposed to be used. Hey, hold on. No, just, this just, is the worst metaphor ever. It, that you have no, let's use a real hold, thing. Florida just passed a poll tax. Okay. Will, will the Supreme Court of the United States review a poll tax? They should. They won't. Okay. Because what they've said with this ruling is anything where a, a, an election or a law which impacts an election that is not a federal law, it is a political question for the states, and we are leaving it for the states. So now this poll tax has no ability to have judicial review in the federal states, uh, the federal system. So they better fucking I, hope that they can find I think, a friendly. I think you're reading liberal a very. I think you're no. reading way too much into that. That that part is of exactly the decision. I, no. This is what you don't understand judicial review. You don't understand political question or the doctrine of political question. It is the judiciary saying anything that falls into this category, we are not going to hear anymore. Like poll taxes, like tests in order to vote did they specific, and for fuck's did, sake i wish they would pass they, it you know what did they, they i will change say poll taxes in their decision that they're not going to look at that anymore because they that- didn't say anything about gerrymandering either they said these issues where a, a local or state uh decision impacts an election 
We will no longer hear these. This is a political question. They mentioned nothing about gerrymandering or redistricting at all. They just said political issues are issues which involve elections that are decided on the state level are political mm-hmm. questions. That is it. Okay. Is a poll tax established by a state mm-hmm. an election issue? Yes. Is, but it, it's done, all, is it done it, on a local or a state level? But there's laws that specifically say that you can't have a poll tax. Where? Where? Yeah. What, what law? I don't... No. The Constitution of the United States says that one cannot pay for voting. Yeah. A traditional poll tax. Right. Is the poll tax that Florida just passed payment for, for voting? Well, you have to pay that in order to vote. Yes. But yeah. by the definition set by the amendment and set by the jurisprudence around the amendment, it is not a poll tax. Therefore, the court won't hear it. It is only okay. an issue which impacts voting, which is exactly how they look at redistricting. It is an issue which impacts voting decided on the state level. It's not an issue for the Constitution. That, that would be that would be an argument as to whether or not the uh, – how good of a legal argument could be brought to say that it is a poll tax. Because Listen, the way that the, hold on, the no way legal that the state, argument. No, 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 no. no this the way is that, dumb. The there way, is no hold legal on, argument. Hold on. The there way, is no uh, court, so there will be no legal argument. The way they are the, shutting the shit down. The way the state of Florida has has organized the this specific argument of, of the poll tax here in this question is that uh, all fees and penalties associated with a criminal infraction mm-hmm. must be paid before somebody can be in good standing to vote again. Sure. That is how they how they set it up. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. In in the way that that is framed, it is a poll tax, and I could see a uh, somebody suing the state of Florida mm-hmm. and making a legal argument for that that continues to work its way up the courts to eventually get to the Supreme Court, where it would be decided we- as to whether or not this is a violation of that ideal. But no. but it can't happen as soon as they file that in their fe- their federal district court. Mm-hmm. The court will dismiss it because the jurisprudence from this set of cases will say that is a political question and we cannot even grant relief. You have asked for relief that we cannot grant. Therefore, your case is dismissed. The only chance it's it's written in the Constitution, though. No, it's not. The question of a poll tax is written in the Constitution. Right. But this law is not a a amount of money that you must pay to vote. Right. This is an amount of money that you must pay based on criminal conduct. But it I mean, just uh, so happens to also impact your vote. Uh, See, and that's the, I mean, every, like, you, uh, you have uh, not literally, seen literally every single, every single, uh, whenever, whenever a huge Supreme court Roe v. Wade comes out, then everyone who's trying to fight on the other side of the argument is trying to come up with whatever they can to get as close to the line and move the line on what is and isn't an abortion or what is and isn't covered under the decision of Roe v. Wade. So if you are pro-life and you are trying to uh, move the line closer to abortions are illegal, then you are going to come up with laws that speak to like the heartbeat bill, like uh, which we all, which we both agree is terrible. But I'm saying you look at those things and they're saying they're making an argument that, once there's a heartbeat, there is a form of life, and that is what our new line is. And then it's going to be up to the Supreme Court to decide whether or not that violates Roe v. Wade. The problem with your theory there is that that relies on precedence. And yeah. the court is now saying that precedence means nothing. It's also off the topic, which is just 
No, but I'm, I, I'm, trying to make the, I'm trying to make the argument of like that this happens all the time. And you're 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 trying to begin to say that this is the beginning of the end of the it Republic. Is the, it is the beginning. Again, to, to say we will no longer imbibe judicial review on anything that involves an election is ludicrous. I, I say by the time we're both 80 and arguing in a, in a nursing home about this shit, then we're going to there's going to be half a dozen Supreme Court cases, ones that we talk about right now, which are going to have more impact on our lives than this one. You're, that's, you're that's, getting, a, that's a good bet to make. No, but you're, if you you're are getting, a black you're getting, man... You're getting upset like this is going to be the end of everything, whereas I could make the argument that the end of everything happened with Citizens United or something like that, as I mean, opposed to this. Like, certainly, but you know what? Here's the thing. You're right, and it is a spectrum, because Citizens United brought us here. And this will take us to the next place. It will be one way station on the slow and ever quickening slide to the end. But this is the kind of decision where when an election inevitably, probably 2020 or maybe 2024 goes horribly awry and the Republicans and their the hugely neocon Republicans sweep the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And we say, well, how did this happen? Well, because every state was gerrymandered to such an extent that they, and the Republicans, by the way, who hold two-thirds of the state legislatures uh, mm. in an, a, a uh, veto-proof majority if you- in many of them, 30 of them, um, they, they have, have made it so that they will always win, now and forever. We are now a, a uh, minority party forever. And that means we have no power at all. And then we make the long slide towards not being a republic. This is the case that says, it, it, Mitch McConnell doing the wink thing is him knowing exactly that. Citizens United that, that got was, us That money. was in regards to, to Merrick Garland, but yes. Yes, but it's about putting Kavanaugh on the court. Yeah. And that was about Gorsuch, but yes. Nonetheless, Citizens United gets us to where we can get Anybody we elected that we want. This case means that we can truly pick our own voters and then put anybody up there that we want. And even if there was a good candidate if to you, throw up against them, we can toss so much money that no one ever cares. If you don't like it, then vote vote for the other party. Why do you is think the, that vote? But this is the thing. That now means nothing. Vote for the mean? other party now means nothing. Because all they'll do is stick me in a district with a bunch of people who think like me, and yes, we'll get our one congressman. And the rest of the state will be set by people who don't think like me, and my one congressman will be outvoted by the six that don't think like me. And I was, what the point what's the point of that? I Your was, voting means I was nothing. A registered, less than we did yesterday. I was a registered Republican when I was in Maryland. You would say that I was a moderate to little bit to the right Republican. Is fascism moderate? No. I didn't really realize it was But I'm saying like, like it's to the right. you 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 would you would say that I was I was more to the right than I was to the left at that point, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So when I got to the point where the Republican Party that I had voted for pretty frequently mm-hmm. uh for most of my my voting life turned into this horrible circus sideshow of Trump and McConnell and all this nonsense, I said, I'm done. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to vote for somebody like that. And because I made that decision, I started voting for more Democrats at that point Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to involve myself with the people who were doing that. Mm -hmm. So if enough people realize that there are Republicans who who are not in your best interest and are, are ruining the, the country in your view, then you're going to start voting for Democrats who are going to do the opposite. And how long did it take for you to make this transition? <laughs> One night. 
Okay. <laughs> the, the the night in November when Donald Trump got elected president, I was okay. like, I'm done with this. I'm, so, I'm good. So can we assume then that everyone who would have made that transition already has? No, I think there's there's more room to give. I think there's some people who still are are heavily locked in with the the partisan nature of their choosing and are going it's going to take a lot more for them to move. So when in 2028 when 30% of voters have 65% of the electoral votes. Mhm. 30% of the voters who I mean are, that's happening now but. who are overarchingly conservative yeah. middle of the country mm-hmm. um, people who are who support the neocon agenda when they control 65% of the electoral college and their state governments have gerrymandered the district so that they have uh, a a chokehold on the senate and uh, on um, maybe the people who Congress. are maybe the people who are leaving Kansas to come to California shouldn't leave Kansas. But again, so you're not going to stop them from doing that. that. So what you're saying is, oh, well, we'll keep our two Democratic senators and we'll keep our congressmen from here. That's great. It, it just doesn't change it. Uh, it the, it's it, voting it, means it, nothing. If you're really upset with the the slow decline of the republic, then this is not looking at the Supreme Court like they're going to save you is not the way to go. If you if you if you really think that this is the beginning of the end of the republic, then you should start thinking about other options in which you can either break away from this country and create a new one or that you can violently overthrow the government that we have. Mm-hmm. These are options that you have that that <laughs> most people are not going to go to because it, this isn't a decision that affects most people in a tangible way that they think that they need to get up in arms about. You God know? knows I have been. Yeah. Guillotines 2024. <laughs> Shall but we move on and just do no, lightning round? We are an hour and 26 minutes right now. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's uh, that's it for th- this week. Uh, Baltimore had its 150th murder. It's going to have uh, uh, over 300 murders again this year, likely. So, yeah. yay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you <laughs> if you want to hear more compelling uh, court talk, you know where you can go? Yeah, where's that? Otheanthem.com. Corey to Otheanthem.com. Otheanthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What's the number again? 443-219-7595. Uh, you can catch more of me on my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, uh, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, we're going to probably go see a movie tonight, mm-hmm. so hopefully I will have a review uh, at some point uh, later this week. Uh, we've got to figure out when I will have time to record it in the middle of all this uh, film work, but uh, I'm doing my best for you. Uh, and of course, if you want to see more adventure uh, like that, make sure you're following Corey on Twitter and me on Twitter at LegendCB5 and at Robert and Cheek. Uh, you can, of course, find me on all social networks at Robert and Cheek. Uh, you can also uh, check out my website, robertandcheek.com, where you can find links to the political blog, the news website, and the books, which are available on Amazon. Buy those books. And uh, Amazon and everywhere else, actually, right now. So make sure you check out the new book, The Chair, which is available now, and uh, ramping up to September's re release of The Foe, sec- of Foe Second Edition. Well, I think we've done good here. (laughs) We've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the Other Anthem podcast, part of the Other Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. I think think we're going to stop looking at this episode as precedent from now on. I mean, (laughs) Uh, also, I'm will be a new break for the 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 podcast. I, you know, I uh, maybe a two seventy three will be Gore versus Bush <laughs> stands alone. Just <laughs> doesn't impact anything. We just made a decision. <laughs> <laughs>